eBay Motors es tu socio seguro. Con trabajo, piezas nuevas y mucha pasión, transformaste una carrocería oxidada con 100,000 millas en un vehículo totalmente singular. Juegos de frenos, faros, lo que necesites, eBay Motors lo tiene. Con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, te aseguras que la pieza le quede a tu carro a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Y a estos precios, ¿qué más llantas sino dinero? Mantén vivo ese espíritu de Ride or Die, baby, en eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com Solo para artículos elegibles. Se aplican Tienes mucho en tus manos, pero con solo mover un dedo puedes dar marcha atrás con Pro Trailer Backup Assist disponible. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Ya sea que estés trabajando al máximo o divirtiéndote al máximo, esta camioneta te respalda porque está hecha para ser una parte indispensable de tu equipo. Fuerza así de inteligente solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. Aloha mamá, sorry por responder hasta ahora Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk Hawái es increíble, luego te cuento más Te quiero Be all you can be, visitando goarmy.com diagonal español Welcome to another podcast with the Slayers. I want to welcome all the Slayers listening to us around the country and around the world. Welcome, <laughs> We're welcome. Welcome. We're here today on our How to Slay podcast with Agnes Kamak. And Agnes has spent an incredible amount of time. She is an expert in the area of fashion. She's been a fashion editor and a stylist. And we want to talk today from her perspective about something that's roiling the fashion industry, which is diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. There have been quite a few incidents of racism in high-profile brands. And the point of the matter, too, is what is the representation of black designers, black talent, but particularly designers um, in fashion today? Are they at these brands helping to control and tell a diverse story? Are they creating their own brands which are successful? And giving us a bit of the history of what is the history of black designers um, in fashion? Because that's been part of the whole hue and cry is saying there need to be more people controlling images and sort of behind the wheel, if you will. So with that, We'll dive in. Agnes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Constance. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And let's start with a bit about the history of Black designers. Who are some of the Black designers who have existed and done very well in the industry? Some who are still with us and some who are not. Um, there are quite a few. Um, the first one that comes to mind is one of our pairs is Tracy Reese. Yes. Um, she's managed to build a brand. People know her name in the industry. People know her name out of the industry. So I feel like she is a perfect example of, of a success story. Yes. Uh, there's Willie Smith, who is now gone. 
who's sort of a dean or godfather of successful black designers. Exactly. There's um, Patrick Robinson. Yes. There's... And Patrick worked at, at George Armani before setting out on his own mm-hmm. to have a successful label. He also worked at Anne Klein and was one of the few designers, few black designers to really be a force in American fashion working for another big label. So when he took over Anne Klein, I think he took it over from Richard Tyler at yes. the time, right? Yes. Yes. Um, that was unprecedented. It was. Mm-hmm. It definitely was. You you hadn't heard of an American designer doing so. Right. And you know, it's, it was pretty exciting yes. back in that day. So at the time, there was also Edward Wilkerson, who was behind the scenes, right. but a power unto himself behind the scenes. He was at Donna Karen. Correct. Calvin Klein. Correct. And then on to Lafayette 148. Who- Which, yeah, Lafayette 148 is a powerhouse brand for working women, for career women. Um, Edward really played a very important part in steering that brand creatively. Agreed. Right? Agreed. And the brand is, is still around. Unfortunately, he's not at the helm, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he's going to be doing some other designing, maybe either for him on his own or for another company. Yeah, he he and Deirdre, Deirdre were really like twin powers there, her managing the business aspect sides and mm-hmm. he managing the creative design side of it mm-hmm. yes yes and who else was there who's this uh patrick kelly oh yes yeah you can't have a discussion about american fashion or about black designers in fashion without mentioning patrick kelly remember his roots were southern and yes mississippi exactly mm-hmm. correct and then um he too uh hit the european stage by storm paris yes and- yeah. And went on to great success here before he died. Right. Yeah. At a pretty young age. At a pretty young age. Yes. You know, we have to unfortunately talk about uh, how AIDS cut down a lot of our great designers in the 80s and how there was mm-hmm. a bit of 80s and 90s and how yes. there was a bit of a glut and a, 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 a quiet period where you didn't see many black designers because a lot of them were gone. Yes, we're gone. I Yes, that's a good point. There was Patrick, as you said. There was Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. Rankin, mm-hmm. who did the whole bodycon stretch spandex look. I think he's the king of bodycon. Yeah, he absolutely, yeah, absolutely claim, takes a claim to that crown. Mm-hmm. Um, who else, unfortunately, lost? Uh, Fabrice. Fabrice, tell me about Fabrice. Fabrice was a, a Haitian designer uh, around in the late 70s, early 80s, who would have been comparable to a Bill Blass or a Oscar de la Renta right. or a, a, a Carolina Herrera. He did clothing for uh, socialites like Nina Griscom and mm. Ivana Trump. Oh, yes. Yes. Who was the socialite. <laughs> who was a, was the socialite at the time and lots of models. Mm-hmm. And so um his his look was a lot of um sequins. Yeah, sequin color. Ha- mhm. Right? Poofy sl- poofy sleeves, yes. poofy hems, a mm-hmm. little bit like uh Lacroix. Yes. Yes, that's who 
who you brought came to mind too. Right. Yes, Fabrice. And then also Scott Barry. Scott Barry was, was another one. Yes. More 70s, a little earlier, but very influ- influential and continued. You know, he had some staying power for several decades. And again, um, has a background in not only the American market, but the European mm-hmm. market. Yes. Yeah. So there's some amazing yeah, names real, that they're taking, yeah, taking us back in history and teaching us a bit about the the context for for these people. Um, so people who are still around but who have a track record. Um, you mentioned Tracy. Um, I also think of Kevin Hall. Kevin Hall is a is a is a massive name that uh, still continues to have staying power. It was around in the the, the yeah, 2000s um, yeah late 80s 90s, 90s 2000s, 2000s yes um doing a lot of red carpet right known no for his red carpet black designers were doing that right then and um there is a designer named cd green who yes who is still is in the same time frame as you mentioned that mm-hmm. has um a thriving business that is uh shown in bergdorf goodman ah yes the, One of their designer, American designer stalwarts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. CEO Linda Fargo mm-hmm. took a liking to him and his clothing mm-hmm. and has managed to push him forward. And yeah. he... In, creative, right. Cre- Linda Fargo, Fargo, creative, comes out of the creative um, side of Bergdorf. Correct, right? yes. correct. And um, has managed to... He's managed to be some of the... Uh, to be the top seller in some years yes. um, on the evening wear floor. That's incredible. Incredible. Um, Byron Lars. He's another name that is continues. He, his name was in the forefront of, you know, spectacular runway shows mm-hmm. here in, in, in New York and the New York uh, fashion week. And he still has a, a thriving business. Yes. Great. Maybe not as, as, um, Huge as some of his contemporaries. Right. But but good, solid business. An incredible, innovative designer. Definitely. Who understands cuts and fabrics. And layering. Layering. And is, on top of it, incredibly innovative and creative. I think one of America's best designers, I think Byron is. Very great. Amazing. Where where we've been discussing uh, evening wear, he's really well known for his his sportswear looks yes i remember too if you think about again worldwide impact and and the fashion capitals which really have been the strongholds even though that's changing but have been the strongholds for so long think about milan new york of course paris and london joe Kaisley hayford who passed away recently, mm-hmm. but he was an incredible talent. Bruce Oldsfield mm-hmm. were both, they were both out of England and really made a mark dressing um, socialites mm-hmm. there, dressing people who appreciated luxury design, mm-hmm. um, including the royal family. Mm. And Princess Di mm-hmm. um, was a patron um, of their work too. And you know, so they, you know, there is this history, and then coming back to Duro, Duro is a, is Duro, the most recent. Right. Is yes, exactly, more recent lawyer turned designer, mm-hmm. Duro Alawu, who ha- who comes out of England. Yes, has done exceedingly well, and now Grace Wells Bonner, 
Mm. Um, one of the most exciting names, I think, in fashion with what she has been doing in London. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think she's a graduate of St. Martin. Which is an amazing too. school. That's yeah. that's the place you have to study. Even if you're an American designer. The, you still want to go there, You still right? want to go there and get an education and then come back and come back to the United States. Yeah, and so people like Alexander McQueen. Exactly. You know, that's a school that they went to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Grace Wills Bonner, very um, interesting black woman. Um, uh you know, biracial parents. And then coming back here, there are quite a few names now that, again, with a history who have staying power. Um, Alvin, ben, Alvin Bell, Alvin Bell. Has, has stopped designing, but remains a, a trailblazer who's still around. For the classic suit, I mean, uh, who wouldn't want an Alvin Bell suit. The fit was amazing. Amazing. Beautiful fabrics. He knew how to design and cut a suit. It's ready to wear, but it would fit perfectly. Yes. It's gorgeous. And he was very inspired by the Europeans like Montana mm -hmm. and Mugler. He made made no bones about that, mm -hmm. but knew exactly what he was doing to deliver that style to the American woman. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking who well Max. Max Wilson. That's was, right. Max Wilson, yeah. who who was a longtime designer for uh, Ralph Lauren. I don't know if people know about him, Over but he's an amazing. Amazing. Great taste. Amazing designer. Absolutely. Uh, Constance Saunders. Yes. My namesake. Namesake. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. How could we forget her name? <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope you wouldn't. Uh, but yes, yeah, she made a name for herself, made a lot of money for herself, dressed Thousands of women across America. And she would be comparable to uh, Ellen Tracy. Yes, to Ellen Tracy. Tracy. Um, um, today, things are a lot more fragmented, but she really drove a, a big career business. She definitely did. Or Nicole At Miller, the, she would be comparable to that yes, as well. Yes, to, to the, um, when Bridge, what was called Bridge, Bridge. Was it was very, called Bridge, yes. Right, was very powerful. And so... Today, so these are some of the historic names. Oh, and we could not, we cannot leave this part of the conversation without mentioning Stephen Burroughs. Oh, and also B. Michael. How can I forget? And B. B. Michael. Michael. Oh my goodness, they just keep coming in. So let's talk about B. Michael quickly first, and then move to Stephen. So mm -hmm. B. He has just an exquisite feel for ladylike fifties dressing made modern. I think when I when you mentioned B. Michael, I mm -hmm. think Dynasty. Oh, really? Yes, I think. And why? I, Say why? I it, it's very glamorous mm -hmm. and sort of white glove and yeah, very like um, glove. ladies who lunch and mm -hmm. um. Well, he dresses a lot of them, right? The ladies who lunch, spectacular uptown. mansions, and um. Eh, you know what? I think Diane Carroll. When I think uh, yeah, Michael. when you think by my, B. Michael, he would love that. And it's interesting you say that you think Diane Carroll because who he has dressed significantly without let up, who's in the in the public eye, is Cicely Tyson. Tyson. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's and right. he always makes her look glamorous, glamorous and like the queen of of theater and black beauty that she is. And I think that's a wonderful combination of, you know, the designer and the muse, mm -hmm. if you will. I think it's really a good combination. I love, love to see that. Mm -hmm. 
Now, before we talk about real, like today, you know, mention some of the black designers who are strong today. I want to touch on Agnes. We can't forget Stephen Burroughs. Who? Stephen Burroughs. Yes, we want to come back. back. You know what? Let's talk about Stephen Burroughs. Then I want to go, what I want to go to is very briefly is hip hop and what that did for the presence of black designers on the fashion scene. Stephen Burroughs. Stephen Burroughs was amazing. He, to me, I'm trying to think who he would be comparable to as a designer. I don't know if I want to say, maybe close to a Calvin Klein or a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a Diane von Furstenberg. In, of, in his impact. In his impact. Not, right, right, exactly. Certainly in his style, I would say, yet more Diane, Diane than but, Calvin, but in his impact. And those were the people that he sort of ran with, the Studio mm-hmm. 54 crowd. Mm-hmm. There was Calvin, there was Halston, Halston, Diane von Furstenberg, and Stephen Burroughs, mm-hmm. a black man. Right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Stephen was known for his color, use of color, brilliant use of color. The fabric. The fabric. Which was like jersey. a heavy jer- jersey. Yes. No um, one was using it in the way he was at the time. Draping, the way he draped the body. Absolutely. With the fabric. Yes. And the lettuce edge. Mm-hmm. The lettuce edging, whenever you see a dress with lettuce edging, or you designers out there, whenever you... Design a dress with lettuce edging. You have Stephen Burroughs to thank for that. That really became a signature of his and something he popularized. Mm -hmm. And he made a comeback. Um, He's made a few comebacks. He made a few comebacks. And hopefully he'll make another comeback. There's a whole (laughs) podcast we could do just on Stephen Burroughs. I agree. But, you know, you think about the Cody Awards and Studio 54 and the drape dresses and the comebacks. Um, but his most recent comeback of the last 10 years, when I say recent, he's not designing right now. Um, you know, you think about how those clothes are so timeless. And his good friend, um, John Robert Miller, mm-hmm. who worked with him to orchestrate his latest comeback 10 years ago. We had him on eBay. We did a special collection, exclusive collection with him on eBay. And he... he you know, was just amazing in what he can and mm-hmm. and did do. Fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. So now, can we talk about hip-hop? Yes, we can. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> hip-hop, you know, hip-hop was like the boat which many black designers sailed into fashion on. In the 90s. In the 90s. Were it not for the explosion of hip-hop around the world as a cultural movement, mm-hmm. we might not have had so many black designers having a presence in fashion and also then being able to open the doors to others, whether they were doing hip hop fashion, then called urban wear, which they hated rap, Mm -hmm. or they were doing high fashion. You know, it really just made, um, made the, a way for so many more black people, black professionals to come into fashion. I remember because of hip hop, hip hop's where I met um, Misa Hilton Brim, mm-hmm. June Ambrose, mm-hmm. you know, these phenomenal stylists. And wonderful women, oddly enough. Uh, yes. Because you would women. think that when you think hip hop, you think men. more men. Mm-hmm. But these were female trailblazers in terms right. of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, April Walker. April Walker. The designer. Exactly. Of female trailblazers, hip hop fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were quite. Quite a lot of them. And 
So you had then people behind the scenes, the marketers, they were able to have black people who are marketers, black people who are salespeople. Jeffrey Tweedy really was an incredible groundbreaker because there weren't many black people who had experience behind the scenes in sales. And he did on that side of the business via Ralph Lauren, coincidentally, too, and went to work for Spike Lee. And a lot of them, oh, you know, it's Rockaware. Fat um, Farm. Fat Farm. Baby Russell Fat. Simmons, baby Fat. Yes, Kimora the women's Simmons. Kimora. Um, but this is a perfect example of how we started a whole fashion line all on our own. Yes. Because this, this is a market that wasn't started by anyone else but us. Mm -hmm. But black people. But black yeah, people. It was a market created. Speaking of FUBU for and by us. us. <laughs> Shout out to all the all four FUBU guys. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yes, who really and pioneered or at least took it to new heights, the idea that, you know, a celebrity can come in and invest, quote unquote, if you could see me, I'm making little air quotes, invest in your brand to help you market it. So the way the deal that they did with LL Cool J, LL Cool J decided to help them. They're mm -hmm. all boys from Queens mm -hmm. and they took the help. They didn't have a whole lot of cash. And LL Cool J became the face of FUBU for a moment there. And it really helped propel the brand forward. Cross Colors, Carl Kanai. The, so th this was the genius and the power of black people and black consumers proven in the fashion industry because, of course, hip hop touched and has touched, continues, it, to, it touch continues to touch every single corner um, of our society. And you can, if you think back, it was an industry that, like hip hop, was told that it wouldn't last. It wouldn't last. You can't do this on your own. Oh. A lot of people did get help, and you do need help. And you, you know, always help need help. It's Tommy Hilfiger. He was really helpful. He to was. People like he was. Um, Russell Simmons for Fat and Farm. Tommy's brother. What? Oh, Andy. Andy, Andy Hilfiger. Hilfiger. Massive. Yes, they made massive amounts of money from hip hop, and and then they helped. They did turn around and help, and they were too. happy to. Yes, they were happy to too as well. Uh, but Spike was the forerunner to a lot of these brands spike and russell mm -hmm. spike, but spike was before russell so spike was definitely the first one yes if yes. we want to talk about the very first he was the very first yeah one. he saw both in america and abroad in japan i remember when he launched his 40 acres and a mule collection in mm -hmm. japan of fashion clothing inspired by hip-hop and you shot it for women's wear daily and you wrote about it as my news and i wrote about it that that was really and it was and exciting. Funny. It was yes. very, it was an exciting time. It was an exciting, t exciting time to see someone that's black, that's starting it, starting this new genre, yes. basically. Right. And moving into fashion. And so here, here we are today and there's a lot of crazy stuff, let's just call it that, mm. happening in fashion around race. Black designers are organizing and, you know, so that they can get um, more support to grow their businesses. And we're seeing these labels like Gucci and Prada, Prada have run into problems with their discriminatory imagery. So what's going on? I think it's, I think it's pretty appalling at this 
in the 2000s that we still have to be that we still have to deal with this yeah blackface has been a, a horrible part of our history from way back and i think at this point everyone should know that in no way shape or form should we have to be sub subjected to that yeah um there are lots of things that can be done designers should be educated um you need people of color in on staff okay. to say that this is not okay right um obviously in both cases there were not and they need to recognize this as a failing and right. fix it and fix it immediately okay i find it pretty amazing that these people were not on staff you know after the history that we've laid out so it sounds like we've taken we've taken steps forward no doubt yes. but it sounds like we've taken some steps backwards too i'm hoping that this situation will open people's eyes um we are consumers i i feel like at some point they've forgotten who comes into a store and who mm -hmm. spends money and our dollars count you know dollars are green mm -hmm. but we're black people and we shop and whoever is doing the marketing should go back and look if they even had someone to go and sit in the store for a day and watch who is actually plunking down their dollars right. for clothing. This would never happen. You think not? I don't you think, think that wouldn't happen. You think they don't know who's shopping there, or they well, maybe, care? maybe, maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't care. But I think, given the climate that we live in now, mm -hmm. you should care. Yeah. Everything is hurting. So to be clear, I want to um, give our audiences a few seconds primer on mm -hmm. that where the um what we're talking about is gucci came well let's start with this round there was h&m that mm -hmm. happened with a hoodie um on a little boy saying coolest monkey in the jungle on a black boy there's a hue and cry about that then last december prada released one of its novelties most people use it for hang from the handbag which looked like blackface. It looked for all the world like the gollywogs of England, which is also a racial discriminatory iconography. And more recently, Gucci released its sweater, which also seems to be mimicking blackface. Um, it said it was inspired by something else, by the British, by a British um, painter, Lee Bowery, but it looked like blackface. And then he would cry about that. And then Katy Perry oh, shoes, well, this which... You know, some people say that's not blackface. Some people say it looks it is. like Mr. Potato Head, actually. <laughs> if you want to know the truth, but it's still but it's still blackface. Yes, and so that's just so they know what we're what we're talking about exactly. I'm mm -hmm. sure many people do, but in case you didn't, that was your quick primer. You said something happened with Victor and Ralph that this, oh, which indicate this isn't totally new. I will never forget so it. So the French designing duo, tell us about that. So back in 2001, uh, when I was working for Women's Wear Daily, um, I was able to 
go to Paris and Milan to cover the shows. And I was very excited to see the Victor and Rolf collection because, you know, they're one of the, at the time they were one of the top, top designers. And you were one of the shows that you were always excited to see beforehand. Well, the lights go down and the first model comes out in her sort of 1800s look and she comes out and she has blackface are you serious and i hold my breath for a minute and i'm thinking this is bad but maybe the next look will be different right blackface after blackface after blackface after blackface yeah were there several or the whole the whole blackface? show was blackface and I'm sitting what there with the my meaning of that in Marie Antoinette inspired clothing. Yeah, it, How did they explain it? What was the I, supposed to be? I'm not sure what the concept. <laughs> no, I, actually, I, I, now, I, I've pushed what the concept was out of my brain. Right. And I probably can go back and, and, and look because things never, <laughs> never leave the internet. Um, but I think I was, I was so emotional so about it. Right. I, how did you, how did it make you feel? I think I cried. I, I was, I, even in 2001, I couldn't understand why two smart designers could ever be so insensitive. Mm -hmm. And to my boss's credit, Bridget Foley at Women's Wear Daily who's there now who's still there now mm -hmm. she like this is i this is not okay i need to address this in my review mm. and she went and spoke to them about why they did it mm -hmm. and it was sort of like oh this is normal we didn't we didn't mean to um we didn't mean to offend anyone it wasn't meant as an an offense and this is n normal for for uh for europe or wow, wow. it wasn't it, it, it was it it wasn't thought of as anything bad at the time right and that's what they're saying that's what they're they're saying so i want to give i'm sorry you had to go through that because i also want to give some context to this is you being at a show in paris a victor and rolf show in paris you were like a speck on white rice. Oh, definitely. Like one of the few black people in the room. Myself and Pulitzer Prize winning Robin Gavan. And I'm not even sure. You know what? I don't. Maybe Andre. I don't yeah. think Andre was at that show because I believe mm -hmm. he would probably have been appalled as well. Mm -hmm. um, no, I don't think he was at that show. Mm -hmm. He, he would have yeah. been. So, you know, that also gives it you know a whole other context too like, and there were no black alone? models wearing blackface were there black models in the show there were none they were all white <laughs> wow interesting and we feel very like maybe interesting very powerful yeah so this keeps happening in fashion it's new i think it's not new it's interesting there's a difference though of back then and today like I had to, I Why? reminded you that this happened. Right. So it's something that happened back in 2001. 
Nothing was done about it. Mm. Nobody other than the two articles that mm -hmm. ran probably mm -hmm. the the, mm -hmm. the review that Robin wrote yes. and the review right. that Bridget Foley wrote. That was it. And no one else talked about it. Right. Over and done with. Yeah. Versus now we're, we're, we're going to continue to talk about this mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. I believe that consumers will, there'll be consumers that will not buy Prada anymore. I, well, ironically speaking of Spike, he called for a boycott of Prada and Gucci. And Gucci. Okay. Gu to, but that's a good point you're making. Nothing was done then. Now, at least the companies are trying. proactively trying exactly. to address these. Trying They're to address hiring. It. In H&M's case, they hired a diversity, diversity and inclusion person, mm -hmm. editor or, or executive. Executive. Um, Gucci, um, because of that, partly because of Dapper Dan, to his credit, um, he called a meeting with Gucci CEO. And also before even the meeting, Alessandro Michelle issued a statement um, about what had happened. You know, so very quickly, proactively trying to address it. They said they're, they're putting together a council and they're going to hire someone. And then Prada has put together an advisory council headed by Ava DuVernay. I don't know if there anyone else is on the council at this point. But um, yeah, so to your point, a big difference is people are at least starting. starting we should see what happens, something. but starting mm -hmm. to quickly and, change it. And the thing that's most upsetting about the Gucci and the Prada situation is not that they have people in their corporate office, maybe not in Milan, maybe not in Milan, but definitely in New York that are black. So the sensitivity is, is missing. Yeah. That's a, you know, well, you know, this is fantastic to end on this note, which I think is a high note, which is talking about, as you mentioned, Agnes, the difference between now and then, which is nothing happened then apart from one or two articles. And, and in not very large. And not very large. Now there have been multiple articles. We now have the Twitterverse, mm -hmm. you know, to assail the company and try to pull them up short and they are and they are definitely trying they're which trying is, and we, we shall see what happens and we shall see what goes on in the future yes yeah. yeah. thank you i'll be on so top much. of it you'll I'm be sure on you, top of it I'm i know sure you will be too. <laughs> i will be definitely <laughs> thank you so much for being here and for speaking to us giving us some of that history it was fantastic in the context which is so unique to your you know diverse experience too in the fashion industry Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Slayers, join us here again. You can download and you can subscribe to How to Slay on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Black Hawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. 
visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Este abril te invitamos a nuestra feria virtual Univisión Contigo rumbo a la universidad. Conéctate virtualmente con representantes de colegios y universidades en la costa este. Desde Nueva York a Florida, aprende sobre ayuda financiera, becas y otros recursos para continuar tu educación. Regístrate para asistir y para la oportunidad de ganar una tableta. Te esperamos en Univisión Contigo rumbo a la universidad del 3 al 9 de abril. Regístrate ya en univision.com diagonal universidad.